Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of LCP D&D. My name is Alex. Uh, Tim asked me to record a disclaimer, uh, because he's sick right now, and he's not 100%, uh, so his voice is a little fucked up. So, uh, yeah, that's a disclaimer. Uh, his voice is uh, a little screwed up right now, because he's sick. Uh, I, I assume he he got the bubonic plague that Brian got, so... Yeah, it's it's a really contagious issue right now. But anyway, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode of LCP D&D and uh, cut Tim some slack on on the issue of his voice a little bit this episode. And he hopes to be better next episode. So uh, yeah, my name's Alex, signing off. Enjoy the episode. And subscribe to the Jew and the Crew podcast on iTunes. Welcome to this month's Farport story. I just want to thank you guys so much for coming and and just giving all of your support for hanging out in our Discord channel, for populating all of these D&D games that we've been trying to get off the ground. I just, the, the response that we've gotten from the community has been amazing. I, I please, by all means, if, if we can do anything to help you or your show out or anything along those lines, don't hesitate to ask. We love all of you, and without further ado, this month's Farport story. Flats were outside of Fillmore's Crossing and out of Zuri Bloodmoon's way, but the loud commotion echoed throughout all of the basin up into the canals of her keen elven ears. Her horse lathered in sweat as the sun beat down upon them both. Within minutes, the gunshots she was following went silent, but a silhouette appeared on the horizon an hour later, riding hard towards the mountains, and it gave her a curious feeling in her gut, and she decided to follow at a distance. Large clouds of white dust roiled and bubbled behind the shadowy figure as its horse kicked at the cracked earth. The size of the cloud was telling and she assumed there was not just one horse creating this cloud, and she decided they must have been involved in whatever fight just broke out. Picking an angle that would aid her pursuit, Zuri spurred her horse and whispered a prayer to the great desert spirit and touched a hand to her horse, transferring a glowing blue energy. The muscles of the beast tensed and began to push harder against the white crystalline earth. Her horse was probably faster than theirs without the spell, but with it, the beast was the fastest in the desert. No four-legged creature could run with Blood Moon's magnific- magnificent horse in this moment. Letting a hand reach down to her pouch at her side, she pulled out a black handkerchief and tied it around her head just above her nose. 
The salty dust was still stinging her eyes as it enveloped her form. She lowered her torso and face to be practically hugging the horse's nape as she rode. The silhouette took shape in front of her as a man dressed in a black overcoat with a white shirt under it, and a red sash hanging at his waist was the clue she was hoping for. As she encroached further, it became apparent that there were two other riders who also had the red sash. And the leader's eyes widened as he turned and saw the fury in Zuri's eyes. Digging his spurs into his horse hard enough to draw blood did little to encourage the tired horse's speed. Zuri was gaining on them. Quickly. The last rider in line was Portly. The elven woman could see the buttons straining against his stomach to stay closed. A line of white showed through the gap between each button. The coarse black facial hair seemed to amplify the doughy mass around his jawline and his entire face was dripping sweat. It was hard to tell if he was nervous or if it was the incredible heat or perhaps a combination of both. But this chubby gentleman was glancing back at Zuri repeatedly, so she guessed it was both. Pulling her blade from its sheath, let out a soft ring vibrating down the blade into her hand. The sword seemed eager for blood, which was good. She did not want gunshots to draw attention to her. Just then, a shot rang out, and she heard the telltale sound of a bullet whizzing past her head. The leader was holding a pistol at arm's length in her direction, each gallop of his horse causing the pistol to shake wildly. His thumb reached to pull back the hammer again as Zuri pulled the reins hard, and her horse cut to the other side of the bandit caravan. She was now on the right of this portly rider and gaining fast. Her sword raised high as she moved the reins to her teeth and pulled out her pistol. Jerking hard again, her horse closed the gap between herself and this overweight bandit. Her sword came down swiftly upon the neck of the bandit's horse, and it immediately threw the fat man into the air. And like a professional skeet shooter, she put two rounds in each of the man's legs. She would be back for him in a few moments. But the other two let out panicked cries as they saw their companion roll across the salt-encrusted desert, and the leader let out a few more wild shots in Zuri's direction. This mustached fellow missing his hat was rapidly gaining on the leader as his focus kept up the frenetic pace. His sandy blonde hair was dancing around his head like a halo as he overtook his leader. More shots rang out, but they were not even close enough for Zuri to hear them pass. She raised her pistol and held her breath. As the horse's legs all left the ground, she squeezed the trigger, fire and smoke forcing the small projectile from the barrel. Time seemed to slow down for the blonde bandito as the bullet pierced his skull. A shower of dark red material joined the salty cloud as the bandit slid right off the horse, tumbling to the ground. Squeezing her legs tightly around the beast, she started it in a zigzag pattern of pursuit, and as the sixth shot came screaming towards her, she straightened her trajectory and dug in her spurs. She could see the panicked arms flailing with what, with what must have been a bullet pouch at his side. The elf stood in the saddle, her boots seemingly glued to the leather, her long single braid bouncing in the wind along her olive-colored poncho as her horse gained the side of the last bandit. She could see him fumbling with man magnum rounds and trying to load them into the cylinder. Upon seeing her, he frantically closed the pistol. Before he could level the weapon, she was airborne. Her tightly muscled legs forcing her up and into the man's torso, which she wrapped in her awaiting arms. She twisted to the side and sent them both in a roll off the side of the horse. 
the elven woman's incredible acrobatic skill assured the bandit would hit the ground first. Her hat and handkerchief came off in the tussle, and she could taste the salt in her mouth. Before too long could pass, she raised an elbow high in the air and thrust it vertically into his chin. The blow seemed to send the robber reeling, but he still flailed and clawed at her. She drove more elbows into his face until she saw his arms go limp. Blood was pooling among the crystals as she stood in front of him. Looking around, she could see that each of her victims was within a hundred feet of one another. She would need to move quickly before prying eyes showed up. She spun her sword a few times in a flourish as she stabbed it mercilessly through the leader's chest. Bending down at the waist, she undid his gun belt and threw it. Zuri then kicked away his six-shooter. She knew the fat one seemed most likely to give up information, but her long life had always taught her to keep a plan B. As Zuri dropped from her horse that she rode quickly back to the first chubby victim, she could hear his whinging. She walked quickly and with purpose towards him, sword brandished. I need to know the whereabouts of Joe Moore, she said cordially, as though she had not just chased them for twenty minutes. The round, bearded face looked confused, but it was hard to read him further behind the mix of tears, spittle, sweat, and dust. His hands went up in a defensive position before they started to try and push his mangled form away from her. He dead, miss, he dead. Please, please don't kill me too. The man begged as his jowls shook from his face, gyrating. Joe Moore is dead, you say? Convenient that he would leave existence after robbing the most dangerous group this side of the Deadlands. No, I ain't lying. This half-breed orc and his posse came and shot us all to shit, riding like he about to smite the shit out of anything come close to him. Who has the gold? She sneered. Miss, I don't know. I, I can't rightly say who got it, but it were with Mark and Joe when I saw Joe sh get shot to shit. That mangy half-breed, we should have killed him when we had the chance in two rivers. No. You should have never come to Ridgely, you pathetic worm. Joe was the lucky one when he managed to avoid my punishment. So this orc will have to do. She smiled and looked pensively at the horizon. Where exactly was this orc headed? There's a new mine. It ain't far from the rock gut camp to the northeast. Please don't kill me, lady, please. I got three kids and a wife. Ivana's work, work weren't so easy to come by. I, I swear I wouldn't be doing no wrongdoing. I swear it, I hate leaving Penelope and the girls. Has Penelope grown as fat as you have off of the hard work of others? She asked casually. His eyes went wide with shock as he searched the sky for a valid excuse. Tears filled his eyes as he began to sob uncontrollably, each tremor causing his face to create waves of force in his flesh. His beady eyes, broken faucets, leaking over the mounded flesh where cheekbones should be. The jacket buttons had long since given up on keeping itself shut and were now both burst open. Zuri could see the buttons laying in the salt next to the writhing man. The holes in the denim of his pants were crusted with salt and blood, and she could see his legs tremble from the pain. It, it ain't like that, I swear it! I swear it! Consider yourself lucky. I am not punishing you, like the half-orc will be punished. 
she said callously as she drove her sword into his open and screaming mouth. His body shook violently until she twisted the blade and the seizure stopped. Retracting her blade from his skull, she wiped each side of it on the corpse's shirt before returning it to its sheath. She went through his saddlebags and took his food and canteen, and then slapped the horse on the rear. With a loud whinny, the horse took off away from her. Zuri took the next ten minutes searching the rest of them for food and water, before splashing some of that water on the unconscious leader's face. He spat and gargled before coming to completely. I didn't expect I'd still be waking up in this life, he said with a groan, rubbing his bruised and bloodied chin. Oh, we shall get there in good time. I've scattered your horses, taken your water and weapons. I do hope you are well versed in survival. His face grew red with anger as his hand shot towards a belt that was no longer there. I have taken your weapons, I said, Zuri repeated. You really shouldn't just shoot at strangers, you know. Fuck you, elf bitch. You think Joe Moore was the top of the cactus? The waters run deep. You're gonna die the same as all of them, he threatened. But this only seemed to make Zuri more gleeful. She slowly swung a leg over the side of her horse and rested in a seated position. You fucking hear me, bitch? The vengeance is gonna be swift. They're gonna burn down every elf caravan from here to Spellfire Butte. Well, it would seem to me that you've only given me more work. Well, more activities. They say you never work a day in your life if you love what you do. And with that, Zuri yelled a yah at her horse and spurred it towards the rock-cut encampment. Her black hair glistened in the sunlight as the lead bandit continued to string curses and threats at her. A fleeting moment of mercy crossed her mind as she rubbed the handle of her six-shooter under her poncho. But it faded fast as the bandit became a small silhouette in the distance. She had business to attend to, and gold to find before it got spent. For a second she wondered what she would do if this orc chose to just give it back. But she dismissed that as well. No creature in their right mind would see the consortium's insignia on the gold and not return it. Not unless they thought they could get away with it. Tugging on the reins of her horse, she slowed down to a canter, and her pained face looked back and forth between the direction she was heading and Fillmore's crossing. If they were going to spend it, she thought, they will spend it at Fillmore's crossing. And our vindictive elf turned her horse and galloped towards Fillmore's crossing. Hey there, my name's Brian of Action Forge, and well, I've got one job to do, but it can wait a little bit maybe. So, I want to talk to you about my YouTube channel. 
Okay, so we're gonna have to do this on the run. Falk, can I see that rifle? Thanks. So, where was I? Oh yeah, I'm Brian, and I run a tabletop RPG YouTube channel called Action Forge, where we dive into all sorts of topics concerning D&D, Pathfinder, <laughs> Savage Worlds, and almost any other tabletop RPG that is, well, on the table. Gotcha. Okay, so if uh, that that's the kind of thing you're interested in, and let's be honest, if you're here, you are, go ahead and check me out over at youtube.com slash actionforge, or by the name actionforge on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and until next time... Sorry, one second. Gotcha. <sighs> until next time, that's game. Far beyond Farport, beyond the desert and the seas, beyond the night sky of this land, there lies another world, another universe. On the world of Soluna, a great many things are converging. Horrors creep from between the stars, threatening to consume the world. The gods have another name for this place, Eterna, the Levy of Darkness. What will happen when the levee breaks, and beings that even the gods fear break through into our world? Find out on the Eterna Podcast, found on all your favorite podcast sources. Produced and presented by an Eldritch Dream Game.